Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the weekly podcast where the professional cook, that's Sarah Kay, shares advice and secrets the busy, hungry amateur cook, that's me, can use in her own kitchen with her own family. This week's episode is all about tomatoes. Perhaps it's so obvious to talk about tomatoes in August, but it's also essential. We could not get through August without no. talking about tomatoes. That it's would be, a must-do. It would be embarrassing. They are ripening on the vine as we speak. I saw it last weekend when I was up in Massachusetts. And then when they're ready to pick, they kind of just overwhelm you. They're ready in bushels. They don't stretch out their time. Yeah. So you go from famine to feast. So we are here today to give you a slew of ways to eat them so you can stay enchanted with them and not get totally bored. Right. And I just have to say, the other reason we really want to focus on this is because now is the time, people. Like if you were going to seize the day, if you were going to eat a tomato ever, this should be the time. And and you should just like roll around in tomatoes for the next month until they disappear. Or actually, it's more like a month and a half or two. Before we start on tomatoes, though, I want to stop and, and do a little bit of a PSA. Um, <laughs> because two weeks ago, we did a podcast on corn. So, same sort of messaging uh, this here. This is embarrassing. Save for the day. Yeah. You know, eat up all the corn you can. It's in peak season, et cetera. But when we were talking about corn, we had a long discussion about the different ways people eat corn and how... The way you eat corn actually says a lot about your personality. Sarah Kay claimed in the, in that episode that she eats typewriter style, which that is left to right, turn it yeah, left to I right. Just... And if you are a typewriter eater, you're an orderly kind of organized. I should have known something was up then. <laughs> Person. I am a typewriter eater. Anyway, so tell us what happened that well, weekend. I just feel really embarrassed about this because it just shows like how like I have no self-awareness but you know we were talking about it and I mean obviously we were doing that podcast I didn't have an ear of corn in front of me so when we were talking about type, I was like yeah yeah that's right I'm a type I typewriter it totally well lo and behold the, the following weekend I was sitting down with a couple friends and we'd made this big batch of corn and I pick it up and I start going to town on it and I look down, and it, 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 I, I do not typewriter. I am totally a rotary eater all the way. And this was totally unselfconscious, so I didn't plan this or anything. I just started eating, and I looked down, and I was shocked. And I was so shocked that what did I do? I texted you, you did. immediately. In the interest in jur- of journalistic <laughs> integrity, we wanted to make sure that you knew that Sarah Kay is, in fact, yeah. a and rotary actually, eater. And actually, now, in retrospect, it makes so much more right. sense. You're like, creative. You well, you know, you like to... If anyone who has seen your office and then come to my <laughs> office knows that orderly is not the word. So now that we've gotten that cleared up, we can go back to tomatoes. Yeah. And let's, you know, let's start from the very beginning. Let's talk about choosing them. Assuming you don't have them in your garden. If you do, fabulous. But if mm-hmm. you're at the farmer's market or even at a supermarket right now, what are you looking for when you're picking out a tomato? I think you want to look for a nice weight. You know, you want it to feel like it has a little bit of heft to it. That's going to show you that it's juicy and, and ripe. You can't go wrong with smell. I think we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about strawberries a few months Mm -hmm. ago, too. Same kind of thing. Just like there is a ripe strawberry smell that you cannot fake, there is a ripe tomato smell that you can't fake. And and that kind of sun-warmed, really kind of fragrant, there's almost a green smell to it. That's another thing. You know, um, bruises, blemishes, you don't want like really soft spots, so sort of a nice, consistent. They should have like skin. a nice give to them, though. Yeah. You should be able to like squish them a little bit. Yeah, I don't want to get pornographic or anything, but you know, there are 
other parts of the anatomy that you could compare them to. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you have any idea where my mind went? I'm not going to say. I'm not sure how pornographic you're getting. A little bit of give. But yeah. I went really pornographic. <laughs> the female anatomy. Oh, okay. okay. Female. Okay, sorry. I was... <laughs> Um, I was thinking male. Yeah. Okay. So they need to have a little bit of good, but not yeah. too squishy. You don't want them like kind of like. No. Almost rotting. No, no. Situation. That's like probably too far gone. Okay. That said, ugly, ugly can be your friend. Right. Like, I mean, I definitely think, and and more, and that's, that's something that I think people have gotten used to more and more is um, the whole heirloom tomato thing has sort of come back into farmer's markets. So don't be put off by a tomato that's wrinkly or ridged or, or things like that. And this this will also relate to storage, but you don't want to it's better to buy a tomato that hasn't been refrigerated. So one oh. that's how would you, how do you know that though? I guess farmers market, you're, yeah. you're guaranteed you know, ones that are out in the sun that have or not, you know, not in the direct sun, but are out at sort of room temperature. And and when you take them home, this kind of segues into the next thing I think we we're gonna talk about. You should do the same thing too. It's um do not put your tomatoes into the fridge. So along those lines, you also that you found a great a great little tip for storing them outside the fridge. Oh yeah, this is this, is this super was cool. like new to me. But apparently the geniuses at Cooks Illustrated who spend their whole lives testing these things yep. and, you know, down to the minutia, they they tested some tomatoes where they stored them there, you know, at room temp. But some of the tomatoes they placed on the counter with that the stem side, kind of where the the I don't know what where you call the stem it. was, the stem was is. facing up, and some with the stem side facing down. And lo and behold, the ones that were stored stem side down lasted a lot longer. That's incredible. I'm doing that from now on. And, I love that tip. And I mean, I don't know for sure that this is a reason, but I think the hypothesis was that storing them that way sort of blocked off some of the air from from sort of getting in at the tomato or any cracks or crevices. That makes sense. And so, it, you know, prolonged its life. I thought that was such a cool thing. I, I didn't know before, but yeah, I'm totally I'm de- doing I'm that now. I'm completely doing yeah. that from now on. I love that. Okay, so then we're going to start preparing them. You know, I had this very basic question for you that I'm hoping other people share, which is the whole coring, mm-hmm. tomato coring deal. I have just always forgot. Like, it's like coring a strawberry to me. Why would you ever bother? Just slice off the top. Like, I don't understand the whole idea of coring. It just seems like it takes more time. I don't do it most of the time. Okay. I mean, I think there are some things that, like, if you're making, like, stuffing tomatoes or bake, you know, bake stuffed tomato kind of thing. Obviously, you want to do it for that. You want to scoop it out. But I, I think most of the things you're doing, most people, it's like a little fussy. You don't have to do it most of the time. But if you have like a really big tomato and it seems to have like kind of a really substantial stem or, you know, core, yes, then okay. sometimes you want to take the effort to do it. But, but the problem, too, is that if you don't do it and then you cut around the core, sometimes like, you know... The seedy part, the kind of watery seedy part, becomes separated from and it's just the like other mush. part, and then it's all this tomato mush. And, and especially if you want to have nice slices, say in like a tomato salad or a caprese or something like that. And so, what I did this weekend, which was duh, I just you know, <laughs> it's really not hard. I just took like a paring knife and I, you know, so I just kind of roughly chopped around yeah. the core and pulled it out, and like a seemed, little, little, yeah, like a little sharp knife, yeah. pointy. Yep. And you're 
you're just kind of at an angle going in at the yes. top of the you tomato. You said like carving a pumpkin Exactly, almost. yeah. So that's um, that definitely worked. one way. The other thing I would say is that if you just slice a little bit off that top stem end and a little bit off the bottom and then cut the sides off of the tomato in big chunks mm-hmm. around the stem or around the core, rather, that's another really easy way to do it. Okay. Now let's talk about eating tomatoes. Let's start really basic. You got to make a tomato sandwich. I like open-faced tomato sandwich. And, and what does that mean? Okay. I think you want like a nice thick slice of white sandwich bread, like a nice Pullman loaf or something like that. No, not Wonder Bread. Something <laughs> a little bit nicer. And I like to toast it, but only just slightly. So it's like a little teeny golden, but not yeah, brown. Yeah, like, so it's not just totally squishy. Mm-hmm. But I don't want it to be really crunchy. I just want it to, like, have a little bit of, a, you know, surface to it. And then slather that up with mayo. I like Hellman's. If you're from the South, maybe like Duke's. You know, it's totally your call. But not Miracle Whip. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. I think people from the Midwest that. will be upset with you. Okay. Are you, I'm Judging sorry. Judging from my Midwest, my Midwest relatives. But sorry. I'm going there. Everybody is entitled to his or her own opinion. Ugh, yuck. But anyway, <laughs> then you Tell want your you tomato. Really you want to slice it nice and thick. Lay that over the mayo. Some salt, a lot of salt, and maybe some pepper, and that's it. And then you're done. Let's talk about gazpacho for a second. It's delicious. I always buy it at the store because I don't want to deal with a blender. Yeah, but that's kind of lazy. Are you kind of ha- <laughs> <laughs> touche? But you do, you know, you do need a blender with gazpacho. I mean, you can't really get around. Yeah, it. no, no. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I guess you could hand chop everything, but like you, it that turns into something that could literally be like a five-minute prep right. dish into something much more laborious. So, like, don't do your, that to yourself. If Most people have a blender or even, like, one of those, like, little mini prep. Right. I know or we've like talked about processor. those. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's great. Yep. But, you know, you can do so many twists on gazpacho. You can do a straight-up kind of Spanish-style one with tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers and onions and uh, red wine vinegar and and stuff in that. Or you can throw some watermelon in there. That's really good, too, with the tomatoes. So you can do, like, all different kinds of versions of gazpacho. And when it's, like, 89 degrees and 100% humidity, you're going to be really happy to have that for lunch or dinner. What I do, because I always need a bread product, I'll have, like, a big loaf of bread next to me, like a baguette, Mm -hmm. and some goat cheese. Yes. Well, and speaking of bread, I you know, so my go-to tomato salad is what I told you, but panzanella is actually one of my other go-tos. That is my... That might be like my ultimate favorite thing to do with summer. It's, so, it's a meal. It's a meal in a bowl. It's a meal in a bowl. You can just like sit there with this huge hunkin' platter bowl in front of you and a fork and just dispense with all niceties. <laughs> you know, forget and, the plates. And you and you really, you know, they say to use day old bread or a little mm-hmm. dry. But I also like if I don't if I haven't planned ahead one day or I don't have anything laying around, you can I just toast go, it. Yeah, I just yeah. toast it. I like throw it in the oven for a few like a couple of minutes and then I throw it in the salad. So should we tell people what panzanella sure. is? So panzanella is basically a bread salad, which like that sounds like how a salad should be, right? <laughs> so every salad yeah. should have a cheese and a nut in it, yeah, and a bread on bread the side. element. So you just like cube up the bread. Day old bread is good. It's a good way to use like leftover. You know, if you have half a baguette or something like that, or half half a loaf from the day before, you make kind of a dressing the way you were saying with the tomatoes that you just sliced and let marinate. Mm-hmm. 
last weekend. So just with the ripe tomatoes, some olive oil, some vinegar, salt and pepper. You can add a little lemon juice or something like that. And sliced onions are nice in there too. Some torn basil. And you just toss that, the the chunks of tomato and onion and the dressing with the bread, and you let it sit. And so the bread soaks up those juices and gets softer, and it's just so good. Sometimes I add in, which I'm sure is probably not classic, but I'll add in some, um, those little bocaccini, the mozzarella balls. And then I'll add in some Kalamata olives. I love that And then some oregano. That's I love the olive idea. Mm -hmm. But you can totally switch that up, too, you know, instead of... The fresh mozzarella, you can use a burrata, which is the one with the really creamy center um, that, again, kind of just pools over everything. Or you can add sliced peaches with the tomatoes, which get this sort of fruity, sweet tart thing going on. You can top that with some shaved sharp Parmesan instead of a soft cheese. Um, so you can riff off a million different that's ways. That's what I mean. It's like these are all just kind of, you know, loose loose recipes, non-recipes. Non-recipes. And you can kind of mix and match and choose your own tomato adventure. And so speaking of non-recipes, how about a no-cook pasta sauce? Yeah, this is another thing I love. I mean, we're, we're, we keep saying basically the same thing. It's like chop up some tomatoes <laughs> and put them in a bowl. Let them sit at room temperature. But this is like the best thing for late summer when it's so hot and you want to have pasta. You want to make your own tomato sauce with all these great tomatoes that are at the market, but you don't want to do this like, you know, Nona standing over the stove for, you know, all Sunday afternoon sweating. It's not really that kind of, ra- not a ragu pasta sauce. Right. This is a fresh market right now summertime tomato sauce that so you don't even have to turn on the stove. And all you do is say you have you know, get like five or six good sized tomatoes, chop them up. You want them to be really ripe. You can do all different colors, like you said, whatever catches your eye, as long as they're ripe and juicy. A few garlic cloves, you know, three, four, peel them, mince them up, bunch of basil, just kind of shred it. A nice big glug of olive oil, maybe like a third of a cup or half a cup. And then you put that in a big bowl. All that stuff together, the chopped tomatoes, the garlic, the basil, the olive oil, salt and pepper, and you just let it sit. And you want to let it sit for like a good long time, you know, I would say like at least maybe five hours. And you want it to be at room temperature because the tomatoes, juice and olive oil and the, and the herbs are all kind of becoming one. And then when you um, are ready to eat, you know, you make your pasta, you drain it. You dress it with this sauce. You add salt and pepper. You can add some fresh ricotta or you can do Parmesan, whatever you want. It's going to, it's really going to wow you. Okay. That sounds great. And then to wrap up, I think we should talk about preserving because now that we have talked about preserving on another show and I am more open-minded and I don't think of preserving as the glue gun of cooking and too crafty or too hard. Well, I have an idea for you that I think might... Yeah, and especially work. because if we have a if you have a, a bounty of tomatoes that you, you know, you want to try to preserve for the for the winter, or you don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. How do we preserve tomatoes to make something delicious for the winter? Well, I'm I'm going to cast my vote for making like I like I said a few weeks ago when we were talking about this last time, a quick refrigerator style tomato jam, 
And you might be like, tomato what? Jam? Like, I'm going to put that on my PB&J? Trust me, it really, really works. And having this in your fridge in November, December is going to make you really, really happy when you haven't seen a decent tomato in months. And it's really simple. All you do is you get your oven really hot, like 400, 425. You put a whole bunch of thinly sliced tomatoes, like big fat tomatoes. Like how much is a whole bunch? Um, I would say you want at least three pounds. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And you put them in a big roasting pan. You sprinkle them with sugar, maybe like a quarter cup of sugar, some lemon zest, some lemon juice, some salt, like nice big salt. You add some seasonings, like whatever direction you want to take it in. I think it's nice with like a little bit of red chili powder just a pinch and just a pinch of cinnamon for like a little bit of warmth. So again, you're going for this kind of like thing that's just on the edge of sweet and savory. And you put them the pan in the oven. You don't want to cover it. And you're you're roasting them. You're roasting that that tomato mixture down until it gets, you know, all the moisture evaporates out of it and gets thick and jammy. So you're you're going to check on it like after an hour and it should really be cooking at that point, really be simmering. And then just about like every 15, 20 minutes, keep your eye on it, stir it around until it gets really thick. And once it's at that place, you can you can pull it out, you let it cool a little, and then you just you put it in your little your little jars um, and, and keep that in the fridge. Like I said, this will keep in your fridge. You don't have to do like crazy hot water bath canning right. or no, anything like, like this. No, like rubber glove situation. But you, you know, it's not going to last a year. Right. You want to eat it in the, you know, next few months. But as long as it's in the fridge, it should be fine. And it's amazing on like a grilled cheese or a BLT. A friend of mine made me some last summer at the end of the summer. And I can't tell you like how many times I was home working and, you know, found myself at two o'clock and I hadn't eaten lunch yet. And I'd kind of gone down the rabbit hole of work and I had some bread and I had some cheese and I had this tomato jam and I had lunch. It was just like a lifesaver. And life is complete. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes. And for a million more great cooking tips and tricks, you can head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at S.Q. Karn. We'll be back next week. 